Let's do this. Try different cuisines and cooking techniques, lots of herbs and spices to try to mix things up. If I want to eat a piece of cake, I'm going to eat the cake. I made the cake. I should eat the cake. And then I'm also, I'm going to go for a walk. Hello and welcome back to another episode of On Point. I'm your host, Taylor Burke, and today we have classically trained chef, entrepreneur, TV host of The Good Dish. You might have seen her on the Today Show, Good Morning America, E! News Daily Pop, or The Wendy Williams Show, to name a few of her well-known appearances. Give it up for Chef Jamika Pessoa. Hi, Jamika. How are you? Yes, how are you? It's a better question. I'm excited to be here. So I'm checking on you because I am having the best day ever talking to you. (laughs) I am having the best day ever having an amazing conversation with you. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast today. I'm such a fan of you, your cooking and all that you stand for. So for our listeners who don't know, all over your social media, you have this cute, catchy tagline says life is a party. So live it like it's one. Why is this something that you stand for? Well, ironically enough, Life of the Party is the name of my catering company. So we, we will get into all of that, how I got into food transition from corporate to the kitchen. So the, the life of everything was the food, the party, all of that. And then as I started to get more into this food space, this media space, and just growing up, I realized life should be like a party. Those small things that we celebrate, if you're having a good hair day, if you made it through traffic, like those celebrate those things. We always find to wait for that birthday or that 50th anniversary, like you're waiting, staring at the clock, just celebrate it right in that moment. So yes, you should always live like every single day, like it's a party, because you never know when that party's going to be over. So just live it. How long have you been living like this? Oh, goodness. Let me see. I think probably when I, I decided to grow up. So you know how you're just kind of living, you're grown and you're you, by number standards, but mentality wise, you're still trying to figure things out. I would say maybe mid-30-ish or something where it just kind of clicked like, what are you doing? Why are you sulking around and and waiting on this? And, And it was just like, boom, this is what you should be celebrating right here, this very moment. you're alive. You had a good day. Like live for that. So I think going in, being married longer, having kids made me realize that I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So once you bring little people into this life, you better snap into it and figure out how am I going to make the best of my day to day? Cause they will take it from you. So you got to figure out how do I make it the best day for me too? (laughs) I love that. That is so true. And life is so short. So, I mean, like, and kind of like you said, we never know when it's our last. So might as well live it up (laughs) while we can. There you go. You've always been drawn to cooking as you grew up around your grandma who had a passion for it. How did that get passed Mm -hmm. down to you? And were you always cooking with her? It's funny because I'm the youngest of three girls. And my family, my dad is Jamaican. My mom is from Trinidad. And we grew up in Alabama. So that is a culture clash of Southern and Caribbean. And uh, yes, my house was filled with food and loud people banging on things, talking all the time and lots of reggae and soca music, right? So my grandmother, it was like, I was so spoiled. I was her favorite. I would say that. And my sisters will have a problem with it. I was her very favorite. And she would cook with me. I I wouldn't let her put me down. So she literally had to cook with me on her hip to the point like my foot would almost end up in pots. Like I was taking it all in first, like masterclass on her hip. And I just realized I would see how her food would just change everybody's day. Like it didn't matter what kind of day you had. You came, my dad would come home late from work, but didn't matter. Once the food came to the table, everybody was okay. You know, it was just, it was just a good vibe. And I picked up on that on an early age. And I was like, I want to figure out how to do that. 
just make everybody's day a little bit more pleasant and make people smile with the things that I can bring to them to the table. And I didn't think of cooking at first because my parents were immigrants that came to this country. So you better go to work. You better get a job. You go to school, you go to work. So I wasn't thinking about chef. They were like, you have go to a four-year university. I was thinking of being a business executive and having my own office and all that kind of stuff. And I got there and I was like, this is not where I want to be. But I was following the path that I was supposed to based upon my family. So cooking was always in me. I just didn't want to, to really knock on that door because I didn't think it was feasible. But once I opened that door, I was like, why didn't I come here sooner? It was just like a whole world opened up. And I get to give people an experience every time they taste my food, whether they make my recipe at home or I feed them directly. Like I get to be a part of their moment and it's just changed their, their outlook just for that moment. Like that gives me peace and also gives me energy and joy. Like I get to do that. And that's what my grandmother used to do every day with her recipes. Brought your guys' family together, like sitting around the table, all talking about your day. Like you might not remember what you did yesterday, but you remember that that meal we had with our family or the girlfriends and we went out here. And we did, like food really is, 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 it's your life. It really is. So for me to center my career around that, I get paid to do what I love to do and then make people smile. Like that's kind of the coolest job ever. <laughs> totally. Have you noticed that you're doing this with your two daughters? Oh yes. Now my youngest, my two-year-old Stella, she, as soon as I come in the kitchen and I'm at the stove, she's like pushing me on my knees for me to pick her up. So she wants to see everything, but she loves to eat. So she wants to sample anything. Doesn't matter how hot it is. She was eating spicy jerk chicken the other night. I was like, you know, that's hot, right? And she's just layering it all in. She doesn't care. She won't, she is my taste tester. And my five-year-old, she is my hand. She wants to chop. She wants to stir. She's not, she's a very picky eater. So she's not going to eat any of it, but she loves to do the work. And then Stella comes in and tastes it all. So I got the best of both worlds. And my husband, he's the best dishwasher ever. So I've got my cook, my sous chef, my taster, and my dishwasher all in. What, what more do you need? <laughs> that sounds perfect. I got everything I need right in my kitchen. Oh, I love that. Okay, so let's kind of jump gears a little bit and talk about how you made the official jump to becoming a well-known chef after you went to a four-year university and you became a marketing executive. You went down the whole corporate path. How did that lead you here? What made you realize that that was not it? Because I feel like once you go down the university and into the corporate world, it is scary leaving it because it's so predictable. As we talk about this, I know there are several listeners going through the exact same thing. So lean in because this is for you. So I knew my corporate job. It was time out on that because I would take the scenic route going to work and there was no scenic route. I was just driving around security be looking at me like, ma'am, are you going to park your car? I didn't want to go in the building. So, and it's you, you, if you notice the signs, your body, your things will give you cues to let you know, I think you might want to look into something else. I would be in meeting upon meeting. I'm like, wait, we're still talking about the same thing. What are we doing? And I had all these creative things flown inside of me, but it was the standard of the corporate environment, the, the meetings. I was like, this is, it's gotta be more. I was, I kept sitting at my desk like there's, there's gotta be more for me. There's gotta be more. And was it scary? Absolutely. Because you figure you already, already invest all this money in college. Well, my parents helped me invest all this money in college. I've moved to this new city with this new job with this marketing company and you, you hate it. Like, who are you going to tell that? Like, Everyone's going to look at you like you're crazy. But I realized it was like, what happened? The universe shifted for me. And this is where I got pushed out. And I'm so glad that I got that push. 
it was right after 9-11 and a lot of com- was marketing companies. So everybody was letting people go like crazy. And my entire department, they said to me, they brought me in and said, we will, we can keep you, but we'll demote you. Or you can just pack your stuff and go right now. In an instant, I didn't even think about it. I said, let me go. Never thought I like, you know, I, I didn't weigh anything. It was just like, it came out of my mouth before I could even like articulate the answer. It just came right out. And they were like, okay, here's your box. Take your coffee mug and go. And I'm packing up and I'm going to my car. Like, what did you just do? What did you say? Are you kidding me? So I drive home blindly. Like, don't you remember how I got there? I come in my kitchen because this is my happy space. I hadn't pursued cooking professionally, but I always love cooking family and friends. And for myself, I just started pulling things out of the refrigerator, cooking things up and just putting things in the pan, taste and crying, and trying to think, what did I just do? And in the midst of all of this, this chaos in my mind, I looked down, I was like, wait, this tastes pretty good. You got a whole meal here. You don't even remember how you cooked it. I was just like fogged out. And I was like, this is what you're really good at. Looking at that plate of food, I was like, this is what you should be pursuing. So at that point, I had no choice because I left my job. So sometimes the universe, if you're too scared to make the jump, the universe will shift and push you out of the door. So you have no choice. It will hurt and it'll feel like the biggest kick in the gut, but embrace that. You get laid off from a job, things change. That might just be the thing that you need because you wouldn't have the courage to do it otherwise. Because I had student loans, I had rent to pay. I wouldn't have had the courage to leave had I not been pushed out of the door. And I never looked back since. Like that was the greatest thing. So a lot of times like the best decision I never made because it just, God just fit it right out of my mouth. Like I'll go. So yes, and somebody needs to hear that because they're teetering. I've got all these responsibilities. How can I start back over? Is this the right time? It's never gonna be the right time, but it's gotta be the right time for you because you can be miserable or you can say, at least I tried. Like that was, I just didn't want to say, I didn't try to do it. And I tried. And every time I wanted to quit, something else came a little bit better and a little bit better. And before you know it, you're like, I'm on this thing. <laughs> but yeah, it, that push, embrace the push out the door. Somebody needs that. I have to ask, what were your parents thinking? Because they helped you through college and, you know, they wanted that lifestyle for you. I have to hear their reaction. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. oh, yes. That reaction, quite interesting. I made them a, a drink. I made my dad a Jamaican rum punch. I said, hopefully he'll be drunk by the end of this before I get to the, <laughs> how I quit my job. So yeah, if you're going to tell somebody some news by that, buffer them first with something to hope to lighten the blow of things. And I told him, told them, I sat them both down and my mother just kind of looked around and my dad, <laughs> he said, eh, eh. Only in America, where you 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 want to work, and you go for another job to make less money than your first job. Me don't understand that, because I was like, I'm gonna be a chef, daddy, and he's like, you're gonna cook. What kind of money are cook gonna make? I was like, no, daddy, I'm gonna be a chef, and chefs are cool. And they didn't get it. It took years for them to see me and see me at events and cooking with people and being on TV for it to finally click. And ironically enough, it wasn't until I made it in an article in a Jamaican newspaper that my daddy was like, eh, hey, my daughter, she made it. But they took all of that. <laughs> but yeah, so when you tell people they are not going to embrace it, my friends were like, Shout, like you can cook, but do you like people are gonna tell you you're crazy? And that's the the momentum that you need to keep going. 
And that's why I really was flying by myself because a lot of people were like, okay, have fun with that. They didn't get it. But I saw what I did and I knew, I was like, I don't know everything, but I do know I'm good at this one thing here. I'm good at cooking. I'll figure the rest out. I'm so glad that you followed your heart because I know for me, if I didn't have like my parents support or maybe like my family's support, it might have had me second guessing it. Yeah, it's family support. Later on, as I progressed, I had like my best friend support and my family eventually came around. But sometimes you got to be your best support system. You you got to tell yourself to be your 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 cheerleader and tell yourself you can do this because the world will tell you, you how you going to do that. You don't know what you're doing here. And that's not even possible. You're not qualified to do that. You got to say, I know what I do know. I know that I'm good and I want to try. So many people don't try. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're too afraid. You started Life of the Party, which was a catering business for high profile people. Was that right out of the gate? No, no, no. That was I went to culinary school and went through the I went through a two year program. And mind you, I was now 20 something in school with like 17, 18 year olds. So I was the old lady in the kitchen. So that was truly starting over. And then I started an internship at the Ritz Carlton. I was in Atlanta at the time. So I got to work in all the major kitchens. And Life of the Party came about, it was a class assignment in our catering class, like just put up your business plan. And as I was working at the Ritz Carlton, one particular job that I was in charge of was all the celebrities writers. So all of their list of instructions of how they want their food, what time and everything like that. And it was my job to fulfill those. And I was doing it. I wasn't even thinking anything about it. But then like they would leave notes like the Rolling Stones was like, food was awesome. Had a wonderful time. Patty LaBelle and Patty is very particular about she had down to the time she wanted her banana sliced for when she walked into the room. Like I had to coordinate those times. <laughs> so but the people were leaving notes and I'm like, if I can do this and they don't even know who I am, why don't I do this for myself as a business? And in that moment, I started, I took the business plan from my school assignment and started putting real life situations and dollars to it. And I saved every dollar I could. I worked overtime upon overtime and I set my date when I was going to quit my job. May 26, 2006. I still celebrate that date. I've (laughs) never looked back since. I still celebrated victory. And that was when I walked out of someone else's kitchen and I vowed I will only cook in mine from now on. And God bless me. I've been able to do that. So that life of the party was born out of, I didn't really know. I have all the answers. I barely had two answers, but all I knew was I was going to, I was going to figure it out because I wanted to be my own boss. So yeah, it's it's not easy. <laughs> I have goosebumps when you just said that you never looked back because that is so wonderful. So then you started the catering business and did it take off right away? Or did you have to work on it a little bit? Oh, no, you got to work. You got I had to nurture it. I remember my first day in business, I sat in my little desk that I bought from like um, Office Depot and I put in my little room and cleared out everything. I had business cards and, and like this little crappy, crappy now, but it was all that I had this little website that my brother-in-law put together for me. And I was like, I'm in business. And this was before social media. So you had to really talk to people still. So I just put the word out. I was like, if you, and I wanted to cook for famous people. Cause I said, celebrities have money. I'm not having with somebody down the street over through I'm up people with money so I said if you know a ball player a rapper a baby daddy a cousin sister uncle friend somebody of somebody that knows somebody famous tell them to call me <laughs> and yeah and my first client I was out with some girlfriends it was like happy hour. I was like I don't want to go and it was across the room this guy my friend was like he looked like he played football. Let's go talk to him. It turned out he was a former Falcons player. And it was like, we were just talking. He's like, my mom's birthday's coming up. I don't really know what to get her. 
I was like, you should have a chef cook for her. He was like, for real? I said, I'm a chef. I could, now, mind you, I had never mm. done anything before. That's where fake it till you make it comes. I knew I could pull it off. I just needed one client. And he was like, you think you could cook for my mom, do a little something? I was like, oh, yeah. And I'll have the dishes here and we can do this. And he was, he was like, sure. I was like, wait, you really want to do this? <laughs> I didn't even believe him. So that was my, my first client came by accident from happy hour. But that was the thing. I wasn't lying to myself. That's the thing. A lot of people are like over promise and then can't deliver. I knew I could deliver on it. I just needed that window of opportunity to jump through that. And I over delivered. And then he told another ball player who then told his wife. And then before you know it, the whole street, because they all lived in the same neighborhood, I was cooking for them and the kids and then the families. And it just kind of evolved, but it was just taking a chance, talking to one person saying, yeah, I, I cook. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of people are to talk about what they do. I know that a lot of people, they won't even tell you, I make this, I make candles. I do, they don't even, they're scared to talk about it. And if you can't spit it out of your own mouth, how is somebody supposed to take you seriously? Like releasing it into the universe by saying it, I do this. I am capable of this. I am great at this. That's the universe receiving that and people will come, but you got to open your mouth and say it. I always say that. I say you are the biggest advocate for yourself. If you're not going to stand up for yourself, if you're not going to fight for yourself, no one else will. I literally, I said that yesterday because it's so true. Yeah. And if you're too afraid to even to think it and to have it come out of your mouth and you're too afraid to do it, the moment you can say it, that's the moment you, am I ready for this? You said it, you're ready. Preach. You're ready. Release it out there. You're ready for yes. it. Yes. Okay. So I don't know. Can you tell us who your favorite person you catered for was? Oh gosh. I won't say, I won't, I had a few fun people, but let me say, better than that, rich people are funny because they, you go into their homes. Cause like I was coming in either dropping off food or cooking in their homes for their families. The things you see, like, and you just kind of see it, but you don't see it. I remember this one football player, he was a rookie. Every time I drop off food, it was a different girl. And he'd just be like, chef, just act, just act cool. And I'd just act like, hi, but it was a different girl every time. And I'm like, okay, you're a player. I'm not going to deal with you. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of the wives started confiding in me because to be a football wife, it's a lot. I would just be cooking in their kitchen and I turned into like a sounding board and just a soft place for them to land, which I enjoyed because I got to talk to people and also feed them. I would like feed their mind, feed their soul. So that was fulfilling for me. And then like, I would go do like, if there's a small like party in their homes, like maybe 50, 75 people, I would turn that into my own cooking show accidentally. I remember this one time, this is what kicked it all off. It was a party. It was like so boring. It was like all these entertainment attorneys. I was like, this is a lame party. What am I doing? So they had this beautiful kitchen. I just started rattling pots and pans, started flambeing things. I remember I grabbed this guy in by his tie, like, come on and cook with me. And the whole party just gravitated towards what I was doing. I was just having fun trying to light, put some, some life into the party. And then before you know it, after we were leaving, people were like, you should be on, you should have your own show. Like that's when it clicked for me when people in the industry were like, you should have your own show. You were so good. I never thought about TV before then. I was just like trying to bring some life to some dead parties and give some people some advice, but then it turned into, so that's when the brainchild came of TV when people were just like, you're so funny. You're so good. Like you should do this. So it, yeah, it just evolved, but rich people with money, you see some things and it's like, oh, okay, but you got a whole like tiger sitting right. I, yeah, it was a whole tiger sitting in, girl, it's so bad. <laughs> 
I was just thinking you should write a book like Chef Jamika Secrets about like all the houses that you went to oh, and like like different chapters. I'm giving you a new business venture because I'm telling you that would hit the charts and then they'd make it into a reality oh. TV show. Oh, it would be a hit. You could turn it into a drama because some of the things is just like, hmm, I'm going to act like I didn't see that. And you spent money on, oh, okay. You bought two of them. Great. Like they just, they're, they're so, they're fascinating. Rich people are fascinating. That's I, all I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you then signed up for a cooking show and how did that change everything? Because I said, oh, let me challenge myself. Let me go in front of millions of people and go on a reality show. <laughs> it was Next Food Network star on Food Network. And if people remember, like that was the show. This was like roughly when Top Chef was kind of starting out, but it was like the family version. The competition, the prize was to win your own show. So I said, okay, fine. Let's just, if nothing else, I'll just get to be in front of millions of people and they'll get to see who I am and how I do what I do. I kind of knew what I was signing up for, but you never really know with a reality show what you're signing up for. Whole nother world that I did not even know what I was. It was the biggest roller coaster of my life to this day. Because one minute, well, they keep you secluded in a house. And so you don't know what your guard, there's a guard outside. You can't call your family. You don't have, you only have your own purse. Like you can't leave. You can't do anything. And then they whisk you off like challenge day. They whisk you off into a van. It's blacked out. You don't know where you're going. Like it kind of sounds like I, I was kidnapped. I wasn't, but it tells the story. It kind of, you're kidnapped. You have no idea what you, where you are, what you're going to do. And then they just reveal it. And you're standing in front of like first responders and like Bobby Flay. And they're like, your challenge is you're going to cook for all of them in 20 seconds. And you're only going to have one pot. Like, you're like, wait, what? You're, you're so much you're trying to take in. And then a clock starts and you just have to start cooking. It is the craziest thing ever. And then they either love your food or they hate your food. I always had a plan. I was like, I knew if my food wasn't the best, then to just turn on the charm. That was my thing. Like, just, hey guys, just chalk it, just ham it all up. And like, that soup kind of sucked, but hi everybody, like turn on the charm and that'll hopefully get you to the next round. But I did pretty good. I mean, I came in, what, fourth out of 10 people. So I sent six people home and I still am on TV to this day. A lot of people, the competitors, they went back to their regular lives. When I left filming that show, I remember my final interview. I was like, this is the, not the last time you will see me. And I meant that. And God help me. I am still meaning that. It's just, I just loved it so much. It's just a way to connect with people, give them the best of me, my, cause I, how my food is how I show love. So for people to receive that and then you get hair and makeup, like, come on now. I couldn't give that up. Yeah, that sounds like a dream. That's awesome. I mean, I came a long way from sitting in a cubicle wondering how I'm supposed to get out of here for this next meeting into so thrown into this, but it didn't happen overnight. There's still a lot of things to come, but yeah, it all came from, I refuse to, to stop. That's all it was. Did you miss Iconic 22? Feeling some FOMO? Don't worry. Catch up on all the amazing and inspiring talks from speakers like Venus Williams, Tabitha Coffee, and more with Iconic On Demand. Head over to iconic.bagaro.com to start watching. Then get pumped to join us at next year's Iconic Conference. Your mind had to be turning. You're like, okay, what's my next thing? My next thing was, I was like, I want to do TV full time. That's it. I stopped catering as much. I said, the only people that I cooked for were like people with some real money. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, that was the only time I was going back in the kitchen because I wanted to focus 
100% on being on TV. And I was going to host classes and had my host coach. And, and like, I was laser focused on, and with reality shows, I don't know if you still do it now, but the show that I was on, you had to take, I think either six months to a year off before you could film another show. Cause they Why? don't want you jumping from network to show and, oh. and doing all other kinds of things. So I had to just kind of sit. But in that time of sitting, it was like, okay, I want to do this. What's going to be the next show? Then TLC called. And then from that, the chew called and it was just, and I will say every, there were lulls. The thing with TV and media, you're going to be up and you're going to be down and you're going to be working and then you're going to be sitting still. And every time I would sit still, I'm like, God, why did I pursue this? I, the money's not here. What? And then someone would call or I'd get an email, something happens. And that's how you kind of know, even if you're not into TV and food, you're like, do I want to do this? Can I keep up with something's going to happen? Somebody's going to call. Somebody's going to like your stuff on social media. Like you're going to get a little nudge to just keep going. But you got to be observing all those things. But the universe will talk to you. Just give you that little thing, that little push to keep you going. Totally. And kind of going back to what you said earlier, you have to be an advocate for yourself. So I'm sure you were putting yourself out there too on social media. And I'm sure when you were, you know, catering for these people, I mean, you're like, hey, do you know someone? Like you weren't just like sitting in your bed waiting for the universe to drop something in your hand. Like you were working for it's a fine dance between putting yourself out there, but also waiting for things to come your way. Because you know, when they say people are ahead of their time, like you don't want to, you can't re-release yourself. Like once you jump out there, if the timing's not right, or this, like, I'm still in that dance of kind of waiting for things to happen. Because as you're waiting and it feels like nothing's happening, that's where things are being prepared for you. You know what I mean? Like somebody's quitting this job. This show is about to open. Oh, well, this restaurant's about, like, you don't know what's in the future. So a lot of times you want to jump, jump, jump. But sometimes you just kind of be still and let things happen around you so that it's clearing a path for you so then you can clearly walk through. But it is, it's a dance because you got to move. Faith about works. You got to move, but you also kind of got to know when to be still with things and kind of wait. So, but once you figure out that dance, it's like, all right, nothing's happening. I can't see anything happen, but something's working. Somebody's happy. Somebody's saying my name. Somebody's thinking of me. Somebody's quitting a job. God bless them. Somebody just died. I'm going to take this spot. Like whatever it might be. <laughs> you got to get your foot in there somehow. Sounds so bad to say. But. So many people that told me no, like I literally had to wait them out at certain networks or certain shows. And they're like, oh yeah, I don't think you're ready. Blah, blah. Three executives in particular. I just had to wait them out until they either quit or got fired. And then a new younger generation came in and they were like, why haven't you been booked? Where have you been? I'm like, somebody was in the way. But that's the thing. I, You can't, you don't have any control over that. The second they moved, everything shifted for me because a different set of eyes saw me. So you just, you got to wait some things out. But then you also got to jump out there and say, I'm going to clear this path myself. So... <laughs> So true. You are so relatable when you're teaching others to cook and you make it fun and also easier for beginners to understand how to get around in the kitchen. And as we both know, food is a huge factor in that fitness and wellness lifestyle. So for the people listening in who are trying to lose weight or live a healthier lifestyle from a chef perspective, I would love to hear your insight or takeaways that you can share on that. Of course, because I'm in the struggle. I'm over 40, two kids. You got hormones, you got like, there's so many things in the battle of the body. And so first things first, I will say to listeners, the same thing I say to myself, give yourself a little grace. Okay. There's so many things that you can't control, but so many things that you can't. And as a chef, I never believe in cooking for enormous amounts of time. And like, I want you to get in there 
and get out, like eat, have a great meal, experience it and be done with. And then my whole perspective on food, I do a play with Caribbean and Southern food, but kind of fusing it too. So I call it Caribbean heat meets Southern sweet. So I start with ingredients that people are familiar with, but I also, I give it a little twist, a little zhuzh, if you will. So the thing with trying to lose weight, well, let me say this, trying to be in the kitchen, you don't want to get stuck in the rut. Like, oh God, another piece of grilled chicken and a sweet potato. Once you fall into that, you're not going to want to eat. And when someone brings you real like food outside of that, you're going to scarf that down and eat the whole plate. So you got to keep it creative, keep it clever. I tell people to play with a lot of different types of cuisines, because if you think about it, bringing in Caribbean food, like that's a lot of spice, which is great for the body. A lot of techniques, the grilling. Southern is more of frying and sugars, but there's way to modify that. So you know the dish that you, I always say, start with the things that you love to eat and then break them down, deconstruct them, how it can be a little bit healthier. Where can you cut a few things? How can you make it work for you? So, but you have to be creative, but it's also make the foods that you enjoy. Now I'm like, I'm too old for this. I just want to enjoy food. If I want to eat a piece of cake, I'm going to eat the cake. I made the cake. I should eat the cake. And then I'm also, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym, do my strength training, all of that. But you never want to beat yourself up and feel like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that or pass on something because you're going to want that moment back. I still remember there was a pistachio ice cream in Savannah, Georgia that I passed on. That was about four years ago. And I still want that damn <laughs> ice cream because <laughs> I was like, no, I don't deserve it. I didn't work out. I still, I'm, I'm going back. You don't deprive yourself. That's the thing. Be creative. Try different cuisines and cooking techniques, lots of herbs and spices to try to mix things up. That's my first tip that we can go into. Totally. And I feel like you're huge on spices. So even if you're having a grilled chicken, like you kind of said, maybe do a Greek grilled chicken or there's different ways to do it. Even with your your vegetables, how to you can put them in the air fryer, you can grill them, you can like there's so many different ways. Get creative, have fun when you're bored with it. Take a beat, go eat your pizza, whatever it is you feel you're missing, get that craving out of there. And then you come back into the mix with something else creative. Cause you're going to have those moments, those highs and lows, those lows. And then it's like, wait, now the scale isn't even moving. What am I going to do? Don't beat yourself up. Give yourself grace. The game is never ending. So you can always jump back into it. Totally. And I feel like even like you said, if you deprive yourself, it's just not sustainable. And that's kind of like the yo-yo diet. And we all know that's not healthy. It's not. And I see a lot of people they're doing specific types of diets. For me, I was never able to sustain just a keto or like, I don't want to just eat meat all the time. If you're able to do that, that's great. I've seen it work for a lot of people. A lot of people are into vegan. That's cool too. I, I want to rib every now and again. That's just me. But what I will say, be mindful. If you're going to go into a specific type of diet, I see a lot of people make this mistake when they go vegan. They miss the vegetable part because you want to go into the processed foods. Like it takes a lot to make a plant taste like a burger. When you go buy these packaged items, if you really read the labels, you've added so many more calories, so much more salt and fat that it's like you could have just eaten a regular piece of meat. So be mindful when you step into say I'm going vegan, don't go into the processed world. Focus on the vegetable part and not the processed food world. I see a lot of people make that mistake. That's so true. Okay, so do you have any healthy go-tos, like go-to snacks or go-to meals? I like to do 
I'll do protein and veg in my meals. And then I'll do like a high fiber snack or, or carb snack like early in the day. So like popcorn, I'll do like a little coconut oil. You do popcorn crunch, you could do it in the microwave. When you do coconut oil and popcorn, it almost tastes like it's sweeter. Like it almost tastes like a kettle corn because of the release of the fats and the, and the nuttiness and the coke. It almost tricks your brain. So I'll do something like that. I also, have you seen the crunchy, crispy chickpeas? They have them in yes. different flavors. They come in that. Yes. Like that's a nice little snack attack kind of just go crunch 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 they have ranch flavor they have all different kinds of flavors so i go to that more so occasionally i'll do nuts but then i find i eat i go hard on the cashews and the almonds and you know how they say only do a certain amount i so high in calories i know that's my problem (laughs) you can only have like what like four or six and then it's like you're over the 200 calorie you're like oh what's the point i'm not really a four or six of anything kind of girl so i'll throw the nuts on my salad but then I always go for a high fiber snack. So I feel full and I don't like 30 minutes later. Okay. I need another snack because dinner isn't for another hour or two. So yeah, those are my two go-to some coconut oil, popcorn. And you know, if you see it in the package, those crispy chickpeas, I like those. That sounds amazing. I love popcorn. That's actually, it's funny that you say that that's my favorite snack. Okay. So you are also known to throw some of the best catered dinner parties. And if anyone follows you on Instagram, you know that your in-laws come over and you love to cook for them. So what essentials do we need to know for proper hosting etiquette? Well, I will say a lot of times when I go out, I'm invited to people's dinner parties. One thing I see the first no, no, is that they try to, you try to do too much and you're overwhelmed. And it's like the doorbell rings. She's not dressed yet. Answer the door. And like with curlers in her hair, you guys sit down and then you're kind of waiting for her to get dressed and nothing is done. Like, don't overwhelm yourself. These people know you and they love you. It's okay. Like you don't have to put on the spread for the queen. Put out things that you enjoy and that they will enjoy and that you are capable of pulling off. So I always tell people, or and I make sure I do myself, you don't want to have starving guests. From the moment people walk in, they should be greeted. Would you like a drink? Or would you like an appetizer? Have some things to kind of nosh. Because if you have guests that stagger in and you're always waiting for my sister who's late, Everybody's going to be starving and angry by the time the party and the dinner actually starts. So I will create like appetizers that I can make in advance and then just pop in the oven while I'm get, maybe getting dressed or something. It's all about timing and creating a menu that works and flows for your pace. You don't want to do things where you have to be manning a deep fryer the entire time or don't create an appetizer that takes longer to make than the entree. Like a beautiful charcuterie board, a beautiful cheese plate. There's so many, I see now on TikTok, there's so many ways and advances in doing boards and things. Like I will set out stations of just beautiful boards for people. And I'm like, go have at it. I'll be upstairs, I'll be back. And like, let people do that, but don't do too much. And then it's like, you, you're so stressed out, you can't even enjoy yourself. I see that happen all the time. And if you're going to someone's house, make sure you bring something. That's the Southern way. You can ask. I wouldn't say bring food though, unless they ask you to, because a lot of times you bring things, not asking what they are doing. And then it might clash. It might not be what they want. So don't 
assume that you should bring a food, but find out if there's a bottle of wine that say like there's a new wine that you're privy to like, oh, I wanted you to try this. Or I know you always love to drink this. There's a different brand. Bring something that's a gift, but also things, something that can be enjoyed at the same time. You can ask, should I bring anything? That's fine. But don't just walk in with your prized deviled eggs. And then she's serving a tap. Like you don't want to clash. I've had people that have been insulted. Like you didn't think I could do this. Why did you bring food? So just at the end of the day, you should, you should have fun. Your guests should have fun. I know if you don't tell your guests what to bring, sometimes all three of my girlfriends will bring the charcuterie boards. It's like, okay, well, how much cheese and salami can I eat? Like we should have switched it up a bit. Divide the work. Tell them you bring the bottle of wine. I would love for you could, if you could bring this or what have you. And I also make sure because dinner parties are a lot After I leave, I will like send a, if I don't bring a gift, you know, to the party, I will send something after the fact, like a a gift card to the spa or something just so that the the host can just kind of relax because they need that. So think about not just the party, but the after party because you went home. She still had to clean up, take out the trash, recycle, like she still had to do all those things. Yes. That's great advice. Okay, so this episode will be dropping the week of Halloween and the holiday season will be coming straight after that. Any go-to recipes or anything that you want to add maybe that goes with the holiday theme that you're like, okay, you guys, I do this. You need to do that. Ooh, okay. Lean in because you are going to be the house everybody's talking about. I did this and people were coming from neighborhoods that I was like, you don't even live here and you're coming to my house for this, (laughs) for the trick-or-treaters. I did pumpkin funnel cakes. Instead of handing out candy, I set up a table in front of my, because I was like, everybody's going to do candy. And it's like, people want to eat something. And it's a simple batter, canned pumpkin. And it's it's on my website, chefjamaica.com. And you can have so much fun decorating them, like melt marshmallows, do spider webs, canned cherry filling looks very ghoulish and gobbly and whatnot. But I had a simple, a pan of oil and the pumpkin batter. And I was just making them and douse, douse, douse. It cooks in 30 seconds. You flip it and powdered sugar, a plate. And the kids are like a late. People were just sitting in my driveway, just enjoying it. I love to, I love block parties. We have live in a great neighborhood, but I always want once again, create an experience. Everyone's got the candy. They've got the costumes, but nobody had fun. Okay. <laughs> so if, even if it's not Halloween, if it's a fall festival, anything, set it up, do it at your church, do whatever, but it's the simplest setup and funnel cakes. I don't know anybody doesn't like funnel cakes and you get creative with the toppings, some sanded sugar, some, you can get little eyes and stuff to make them and just make them all spooky. And it's a beautiful pumpkin flavor. So it's appropriate for the fall and Halloween. They still talking about my Halloween last year. I got to outdo myself this year. Oh my God. So you're not going to do the same thing this year? I had to see what the weather is. I was considering setting up like a miniature, like a coffee bar, doing like some cider, doing warm apple cider and like hot chocolate. It was getting cold last year. I had to see what the weather is. But if it's like really cold, don't just give people candy. Like give it's your neighbors. You like them. Give them something like it took nothing to get a carafe at the at the at Target, fill it up with some hot chocolate. And I got little cups on Amazon and was just handing it. The parents were so appreciative. I think about the parents of this because the kids can run around and eat the candy, but that parent has to go out there and lug around with that kid. So think about them, like the candy, there'll be, a, there'll be bundles of candy. What can you do that'll creatively 
give people an experience for Halloween outside of just decorating. So that's where the place that I live. So yeah, my fun, go to chefjamika.com. The funnel cake recipe is there. Just go for it. Get as creative as can be. I love that. I'm actually going to link that funnel cake recipe in the podcast description. So all our listeners can go to your website and look that up. You have an amazing blog on your website. And one of the articles that you wrote was five kitchen pantry foods that help you boost your beauty routine. Well, then I'm going to say this first. There's so many, I'm not opposed to buying, you know, cosmetics and some are expensive, some are drugstore or whatnot. But for me, there's no better way to save money than to cross utilize products that I already have in my kitchen. Yes. Like that is the simplest thing ever. But yeah, so I think I had like coffee grounds on there, like use coffee grounds. So after you brew your coffee, I'm not a coffee pot person. I pull up to a drive through to get my coffee, but <laughs> my neighbor, I actually borrowed her coffee grounds for my beauty routine. You can use those coffee grounds as an exfoliant. So you can rub it on your hands. If you have stinky feet, it also is a deodorant natural deodorizer rub it on your feet will exfoliate that dead skin and also freshen your feet if it's not you i don't know how you're going to give somebody and kind of you know nicely tell them to use this on their stinky feet <laughs> i don't know that's for you to figure out but <laughs> but yeah things like that you can put coffee grounds in your refrigerator it's a natural instead of baking soda so there are things with that but i love doing it as an exfoliant coconut oil is the greatest thing i use it to take off my makeup a lot of people think well, that's the oil that's going to clog my pores no, what it does, it's actually a softer way to remove, especially those stubborn, like the liner, the mascara and the eye area. You don't want to do harsh soaps to kind of keep scrubbing. Cause I mean, you got to protect those eyes, honey. You, you only get one set of under eyes and you want the skin to last as long as you possibly yes. can. So you want to be delicate with that. So I will take some coconut, unrefined organic coconut oil. You can get it anywhere, any store and take a cotton swab and wipe my makeup off with it. And and then I will go in and then go in with my cleanser or whatnot. But what that does also putting that coconut oil on to take your makeup off also builds up moisture. So when you're going in with those cleansers, it's almost like a barrier. So you've already locked in the moisture from that coconut oil. So you're not leaving with completely dried skin. As when you do those wipes and then wash your face, your skin is like so tight. It's like it's going to crack. It's so dry. So the coconut oil helps remove stubborn makeup and gives you moisture with that too. Vinegars. Oh my God, we can have a whole show talking about vinegars. Um, particularly apple cider vinegar is a great cleaner. Um, it also is a great toner on your skin, even on your scalp. Like if you have dandruff, do it with a Q-tip. Do a little part your, your hair, get to the scalp and do a swipe of vinegar on your, your scalp to help with the dryness of your scalp. Now, mind you, it's going to stink. Don't let your husband in. Don't let your friends in. Don't let anybody sniff you until after you rinse. Let it sit for about 20 minutes on that scalp and then go in with your shampoos or whatnot. But that's going to start to bring moisture to your scalp. Also helps with the strength of strengthening your hair and then will help diminish dandruff. Olive oils. And I do that too with olive oils. Do hot oil treatments with olive oil. Put olive oil on your feet at night before you go to bed. I olive oil my feet and put some socks on. Honey, you wake up in the morning. I touch my husband with my feet. I got baby soft feet. Like that's... <laughs> I love that. There's so many things you could do, but yeah, get creative, go in your pantry and look and say, what can I bring to my bathroom? And I'll, I already got it. I don't have to waste money on it. Oatmeal is a great exfoliant. I do a hand oatmeal scrub, little sugar, coconut oil. Like there's so many things, steel cut oats, so many things in your pantry that you there's can so start Googling. Things. 
Yes, you can be the happiest, glowingest thing. Everybody in the neighborhood will go, what have you been doing? You tell them, been in my pantry. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like you said, they're great money-saving tips. So like, you don't have to go out and buy the latest and greatest at Sephora. You're using something that you already have. All the listeners, you guys out there do it. Please tag me. We're going to start a nation of people using pantry as their beauty products. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, but before we let you go, we are going to play a quick game. I play this game at the end of every single podcast. It is called Taylor's Would You Rather. You have two options and you only have three seconds to choose one or the other. Okay. Are you ready? Let me lean in. I'm ready. Okay. 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 Here we go. Would you rather only be allowed to drink wine or only be allowed to drink coffee? Coffee. Would you rather never eat cheese again or never eat chocolate again? Cheese. Would you rather have to eat the same lunch every day for the rest of your life or never be allowed to choose what you eat for lunch? Never be allowed to choose? Surprise me. Never be allowed to choose, but it better be good. That's tough. That's tough. Okay. Would you rather be a vegetarian forever or have to eat meat in every meal? Uh, I pick C. Can I combine the two? <laughs> I don't want to be both. <laughs> okay. Would you rather eat every hour or never be allowed to snack? Mm, never be eat every hour eat every hour <laughs> okay i changed it midway <laughs> it's hard would you rather eat a block of butter or drink a bottle of sriracha mm, um sriracha this is, have you ever had a fried butter at the fair oh my gosh oh, don't do that again <laughs> don't do it so you're gonna do sriracha sriracha tiny, can i get a tiny bottle sure uh, sure we'll give you a little six months <laughs> Okay, three more. Would you rather never be allowed to add salt to any of your food or never be allowed to cook with sugar? Mm, sugar. Would you rather never that. be allowed to use cutlery again or never be allowed to use plates or bowls? Well, I, either way, I'm just standing there looking stupid. I can't do anything without them. I guess no plates or bowls. We just eat out the pot. I guess. I don't know. Exactly. Okay, last one. Who would you rather cook dinner for? Chef Ramsay or Chef Wolfgang Puck? Okay. I kind of got a secret chef crush on both of them. Ooh, okay. I'm going to say Ramsay. And he has to yell at me and say, shut it down. I I die every time he says that. I like cheer at the TV like, yes. And he's yelling at people and making them cry. And I'm cheering him on. It's something about a man with an accent that can yell at you and say anything and you'll take it. Like that accent, he could he could trash my food all day with that accent. I, I'm a sucker for an accent. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> Chef Jamika, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. It was so wonderful to meet you and get to know you better and you know kind of to pick your brain a little bit this was so much fun i appreciate you taylor this is the best thank you and thank you guys for listening bye thank you so much bye Bye. (laughs) our goal is to always give you the content you didn't know you needed to know and to make sure you're always on point i'm taylor burke thank you for listening